Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. So there's two different questions that the book suggests that we ask. The first is um, when you're in that situation, say something along the lines of, have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you know for certain you have eternal life? Or is that something that you might say you're still working on? Um, And the reason why he says this is oftentimes if you say, well, do you think you're going to heaven? The automatic answer is, And so if you say, for certain, I like to say, do you know that you know that you know that you know? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt? Because that brings up different, brings up different questions um, for people. And then um, when he says, or is it something that you're working on, it's not saying, are you working out your salvation? Are you trying to earn it? Are you doing these ritual steps? Is it, or is it something that you're working on trying to figure out? Um, I like to say, um, if you walked out of here today and you got hit by a bus, where would you find yourself in eternity? Um, There's not one right way to say it or not, but we can't be afraid as Christians to really ask that question, you know, Um, especially working with nursing home ministries, um, going to sick visits. You know, we have the opportunity a lot of times when people are sick, who do they call? They call the spiritual one in the family. They call the church. And we have the opportunity to go to the hospital, to go to the family members, and be, be able to present the gospel. And so, you know, we can pray with them, and that's great. But at some point, most of the time, the conversation gets to a point where we have the opportunity to ask the question. And so try to um, not give just a yes or no question. Um, did you get them notes? Good job, Jen. Um, but ask. Do you know for certain that you'd be with Christ, um, or is it something that you're still working on? Um, <clears throat> I thought these were interesting to statistics, um, and it was from 1996, um, but the Princeton Region Research Center, Report on Religion in America, says that 96% of adults believe in God, 90% believe in heaven, 80% expect to be called before God at Judgment Day to answer for their sins, and 77% rate their chance of going to heaven as excellent to good. And so really that rate, all those ratios just show that people have no idea. You know, the gospel's presented, um, especially, you know, my generation's children are going to have a hard time because God's not preached in the homes. Not everybody goes to church. But my parents' generation, you know, that generation, everybody went to church. And everybody brought their kids to church. And then if you didn't go to church, you still made your kids go to church, right? You drop them off. And so most people have heard the gospel. They've heard some sense of it. But, but to know that they know that they know that they're going to heaven, it hasn't been made a reality. And so to, to, to put that quite frank in people's faces oftentimes causes them to at least start searching. Um, we're not asking if they're working to obtain eternal life, but working hard to know for sure they have eternal life. Um, and that's a big difference. 
You know, there's a big difference between a works mentality and taking heaven, taking the kingdom of heaven by force and wrestling it out to, to find yourself resting in God. Make sense? Versus doing and, and, and trying to earn our salvation. It's the same thing. You know, we need people to be diligent about seeking out scripture. You know, we've got someone we're ministering to and we're not sure they're born again. So I'm giving them books to read. I'm giving them intellectual books to read. I'm giving them spiritual books to read. I'm giving them books in the Bible and saying, you go and you, ha you have this out with God. Wrestle it out and come back and let us know. It's, I can't make you be born again, but go figure it out for yourself. And so that's what we're trying to get people to do when we're engaging with them is figuring out for themselves, are you born again? What does born again mean to you? And what is eternal life? Does someone want to read 1 John 5.13? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So a lot of times um, people think that, or they'll give us a response that, well, how do you really know for sure? Can anyone really know? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> There's several scriptures that can help us to know that, but this one, 1 John 5, 13, is one of them. Um, that you may know that you have eternal life. And, and we can know without a shadow of a doubt that we are born again. His spirit will bear witness with ours. And so we want people to realize that they don't have to go wandering and doubting. And if they doubt, they may or may not be. And we're to help push them in the, in the direction of finding out for sure. Um, oftentimes at this point, so hey, you know, do you know for certain, you know, that if you die today, you'd be in heaven? You know, something that you're working towards and... And, and so... Now you're ready to go forward. They're kind of giving you these willy-washy, wishy-washy answers. Um, and most people, especially in America, know at this point what you're getting after. And so what we don't want to do is we don't want to push the gospel down people's throat. You know, they had a big movement in the 70s, the Jesus movement, where, you know, and it was great. It was awesome. It was all of God. But... We've been so um, routined in just everybody with the gospel that it's become less personal. So when we start this conversation, a lot of times at this point, people turn off. And so one of the great things to do is to ask permission, to ask permission to keep going forward. Um, something like, may I share with you how I discovered eternal life and how I know you can too. Not Hey, can I keep? Can I can I share with you how you can get saved? Can I share with you how Jesus came to set you free? Because when we start talking like that, we're talking at the person, and we're no longer relatable for them. And so, as soon as we become the hierarchy, as soon as we become the one speaking down, they're really going to turn us off. And so, we want to be approachable. We want to be relatable. And so, something along the lines of. Can I share with you how I discovered? Can I share with you how it became real to me? How I, I found myself knowing that I know that I know that I know. I know you can too. Let me, let me share my testimony with you. Because at that point, they, when they're saying, and if we say it very excited, very um, just pleasant, you know, like with, with um, what's the word? Enthusiasm, um, 
genuine, genuine, very sincere. You're engaging them. At this point now, they're like, what's so different about you? You know, everyone's seen the hellfire and brimstone preachers. Everybody's seen the high, you know, holier than now preachers, but not everyone's seen someone that's genuine, that's out to prove a point, that genuinely cares about their soul. And not that other people don't mean well, I think they do. I think it's just been a different, different style for a different day. So once we get them to say, yeah, you know, to, yes, they're engaged, they're connecting with us, and they want us to go further, something along the lines of this is the second question, to get them really thinking. You know, as I'm about to share my testimony, I want to ask you one more question. If you were to die tonight and you stood before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would he say? And the reason why we ask this question is it really lets us know where they're coming from. You know, all of our testimonies are our testimonies, but there are different sides of it. There's different angles of it that we can share depending on that person's answer. We can know at that point if it's really a works mentality, if they really have absolutely no clue and, and they haven't grown up in church and we need to really go basic, basic Christianity or if, if they kind of know but they just have a hard heart towards it. Um, this question also enables us to discern what foundation that they're trusting in eternal life. A lot of times, a lot of times it's their works. A lot of times it's that they're a good person. Um, the best way that, and I really actually liked this, that the book was saying to respond with their answers is saying something along the lines of, let me see if I understand you. You would say to God and then repeat what they've said. Because, and we'll talk about this in a little bit more, but by saying, what? Oh, no. That's so not right. Let me tell, let me explain. Right then, you just got them engaged, and now you're turning them completely off. And so, when you ask them a question, and then by repeating what you heard, it's actually a skill we use in marriage counseling. And, um, and it lets the other person know that you care about what they're saying. That it's not just about you, but that you're really genuinely listening to them and getting good feedback. Um, how to get an answer to your questions. We may have to change the wording. You know, one of the things that Christians are so great at is Christianese. And so we got to change the wording. If we give them Christianese, what are they going to give back? A Sunday school answer. And so we want to make sure that we're asking real-life questions that have sound biblical truths behind them. Um, make the question very general. Um, something along the lines of what do you think? the entrance requirements are for someone to get to heaven. Um, not what have you done, have you, you know, making it really personal along this line, again, is going back to the attack on the, on the one individual, but making it general for all mankind really opens it up, makes it not quite so personal and more, like, more doable. You're more likely to get an answer back versus them just staring at you like, I don't know. Why are you asking? Are you trying to trick me? Um... You can also tell what your answer was. Sometimes, you know, especially if you would have asked me whenever I was lost and I was in the world, I don't think that could have given you an answer. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have an addiction problem. I had an anger problem. I was hurt. I was really hurt. I had a lot of emotional scars, a lot of emotional stuff happening. And so if you asked me something that deep, I would have probably just bawled in your face. Like I couldn't have given you an answer. Even for shortly after I got saved, I couldn't have talked back about any of it. Um, so oftentimes you get someone that just kind of looks at you dumbfounded. And so for those people, 
this book suggests that we give our answer. Be real, not religious, not self-righteous. You know, for me growing up, it would have been I had to do the sacraments. The sacraments were the thing. The sacraments were the way. And you did good. We went to all-hour prayer. I sat in vigil, you know, and go down the list. And I thought I was a great person. But one day I realized. And so the more that we begin to share and open up of ourselves, we're being vulnerable to the person. They're engaging in our life. And in return, they can be vulnerable back to us. And then we'll likely get some sort of answer. Oh, you know what? I grew up Catholic too. Oh, well, I actually grew up Lutheran. You see, and you start kind of going back and forth in that way, but it's not so confrontational. Um, and you can agree with them that they don't know. And honestly, it's okay that they don't know. It's really okay. How are they going to know unless what? Someone goes out and tells them. And so, you know, um, be, and you want to assure them, like keep reassuring the person in the conversation. And so they just really don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what a person's supposed to do. I just know I'm trying to be good. You know, just confirm it. So you really aren't sure, and that's never really been clear for you. Um, again, just reaffirming. So y'all have any questions on it? Then you find out why. Again, again, it's the same thing. It just re, of re-asking questions, changing the direction of the question um, to get them to some point of opening up for their views that you can then begin to share the gospel. You know, that's a good point. A lot of people will say, I feel like I am. And that's where reiterating the second question comes in. Of, well, what do you think are the requirements for someone to enter heaven? I feel like I am. Um, you know, the same thing. I believe. Well, well what's your surety? What, what backs up? Why do you believe? What are the requirements that you believe um, that are required for us to get into heaven? What are the actions? What are the what? What's the requirements? to believe that we're going to heaven. And so you keep, you keep speaking their language instead of church language, Christianese language, because then they'll begin to understand it better in their language, and the walls come down a little bit. I even, in church, 
as a pastor, would have people start talking to me and um, or talking in groups, and they would go so far in this other world and realm of language and want to get into discussion, and I couldn't even follow that level of Christianese and would literally shut down and just smile because I couldn't go there. So I can't even imagine a, a lost person trying to keep up with our lingo sometimes. Any other questions? And, and she's saying that you'll know when you lose them because their eye, the eye contact stops and that sort of thing. And it's really why it's so important that we ask the general questions and that we respond to what they're saying. Because if we're letting them talk and we're listening, they're more likely to listen to us. And if we don't preach at them, it's so easy to preach at people. But if we literally engage with them, let me share my testimony. This is what God did for me. We're excited about it. We're sharing it with them. You know, it's personal. They're more likely to stay engaged. As soon as we leave that zone and go to preachy zone, they're going to go off in another way. <laughs> yes. That's really good. You want to say that on the microphone? Um. One of the one of the things that people do in conversation is to think to think about what they want to say next, instead of listening to what the person says. And by repeating back to those people what they just said, that may, that gives them importance, and it lets them know that you care. So important, you know. This is off the notes, but one of the most important lessons I learned a long time ago in witnessing is preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. You know, I, we used to, I used to always think it was so, I, you know, I had to have all these things to say. And I'll share this and, to, and real quick. I'll share this and then we'll go back to the notes. Um, years ago, I used to lead teams every week into the French Quarter. And we'd go every Saturday night. And the only reason we had to stop was because I went on staff and I wasn't quite ready to go Sunday mornings. <laughs> And uh, that wasn't good. And, um, but we would lead teams every Saturday night. And so the first night we were out there, there was four of us. And this one guy, me and this girl noticed at the same time. And our eyes locked. And we, we knew the gospel was for him. And we came from different sides of Devil's Den to go talk to him. And as I approached him, he started cursing me out. Don't you dare sit down, you stupid da 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 I know what you want to do, da-da-da-da-da. I hate people like you. I mean, just cursing me up and down. And um, I did sit down, <clears throat> and I smiled at him, and I listened to him curse me out. And my friend was behind him, and he never saw her for a long time. And 45 minutes after him cursing me out, telling me why he hated Christians, why he did not leave God, need God, why he didn't believe in God, why God had forsaken him, by the end of it, he was crying and asking us to pray for him. And that man, seven months later, we led to the Lord. And he went from living on the streets to um, in a shelter to reconnecting with his family, including his wife back in Texas. And he got a job. He got, you know, some money. And we helped him get back home, reunited with his wife, went into a job training program, made his first resume ever, and was walking in sobriety and victory. And I never shared my testimony with him until seven months later. And it was just this thing. We would go meet him, 
We'd bring different men with him. I'd have friends, dads pick him up, bring him to church in the morning. And um, one night, it was my birthday night, I went to go witness in the quarter. Were you there that night? Jamie was there. Um, and we went out to eat, and we um, got our leftovers, and we brought them to him. And that night, he asked if he could walk us to the car. And that was the first night we ever let him do that. And we had known him for a long time. And I was even nervous, like, why you don't let people do this? Why are you letting him walk you to the car? And then that night, something broke and shared my testimony with him. And he started bawling. We had a very similar story, very similar, similar history. Um, but he just kept taking his pain darker and darker. And after seven months of loving on this guy, he gave his life to the Lord. So, yes, we let him walk us to our car. There's five of us. <laughs> we could have taken him. But... Preach the, pre preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. It's not about our cunning schemes. It's more about just loving that person and letting them see Christ in us. Um, so part two here is about first combination. Um, if someone answers correct to both questions, to if you, do you know for certain about your spiritual eternity if you would die today? And the second one... Um, about what are the requirements to enter the kingdom. If they answer that question correctly to both of them, our interpretation would be apparently he knows Christ. Apparently. We have to, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. You can't argue with somebody. That's like someone coming to the church office and wanting to talk to a pastor and say, God told me. And you know it's the wackiest thing that you've ever heard. Well, you can't come back and, and start arguing about what God said. Most, most of the time. I mean, you really just can't. And so you're not going to sit there and argue with someone about whether they're saved or not. If they answer right to the questions, we apparently have to think that they probably are. And if there's questionable things, I'm going to leave that in the Lord's hands. But we don't just shut up and walk away. Then we share aspects of our, we still share aspects of our testimony. There's still some answer that they've gonna, that they're going to have given us that we've got something of our testimony in our life that we can begin to share back with another believer in rejoicing. And so continue to share some of your testimony and then ask them to share theirs. You know, I can remember being in church and being at Victory and having certain disciples around me and being in Walmart one day and saying, I've been telling you my testimony. Why don't you tell me yours? Tell me the day you fell in love with Jesus. You can about imagine me. Tell me, right in Walmart in the checkout line. Tell me the day he became your first love. And they were looking at me like, what are you talking about? But see, up to that point, I hadn't asked the right question. And not that they didn't have a relationship with him. But there wasn't this confirmation. There wasn't this blessed assurance that they could then begin to speak it out. And so they went on to say, well, hey, tell me about your baptism in the Holy Ghost. Tell me when he came down and you began to speak it. You can see me doing this, right? Exactly like this. Tell me when you began to speak in tongues. It was bubbling up out of your belly. I have it. Well, guess what? It gave me perfect opportunity to say, let's do a study together. Let's do a study on Jesus. Let's do a study on salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened? That person has their own testimony to share today. Because someone cared enough to say, hey. And the whole point was they had grown up in church, in a church that was very doctrinally sound. And the teaching was great. And so they felt like they should already know the answers. And if I asked, well, am I going to be the only one that doesn't know the right answer? So they never asked. 
And so it's important. So they give you the right answers. They think they're born again, and you're really not sure. Just keep asking questions. Share your testimony. Ask for theirs. Tell me, the, tell me about your story. When did Jesus become your all in all? Because then we start really knowing what's going on. Um, another combination is they, they incorrectly answer to both questions. Well, if they answered wrong to both, they're probably not a Christian. And so what do we do from there? We start with the gospel. I'm so glad that you're here today. I am so excited that God had our past calls. It's not by accident. Today is your day. I've got some good news for you. And we just rejoice in it. It's not their fault they're not born again. You and I didn't get saved by our own design. We got saved because Jesus hunted us down and put the right person in the right place at the right time to share the gospel with us that our hearts would be awakened. So guess what? Now it's your opportunity to share the gospel with someone that doesn't yet know. Be excited about it. Be affirming about it. When we're affirming about it, look, as soon as we go, well, they don't want to hear a thing we got to say. But when we say, I am so excited, I have got some good news for you today. I tell you what, today is your day, my friend. I sat at this altar this morning with somebody and did this very same thing. I'm so excited you're here. Today is your day. Today is your day. Another option that we have is they answer correct to the first question. Yes, I know that I know that I know. But then the second answer is incorrect. Well, you know, I do good. I got water baptized. Doesn't that count? This is what we would call a presumption. Presumption of their born-again experience. The person presumes himself going to heaven without any biblical foundation for that hope. Um, what this book recommends is asking something like this. Have you ever considered just how a good a person would have to be in order to be good enough to go to heaven? In other words, have you ever thought, what's the passing grade? You know, that'll get someone thinking. And so does anyone have any scriptures to go with that? Does anyone, have you ever considered just how good a person would have to be to get to heaven? <laughs> Absolutely not. That's right. impossible to please God with without works with just works yeah any other scriptures no one righteous no not one yep any others all we do is filthy rags for all have sinned and gone short of the glory of God Uh any others He's so funny. Be ye holy as I am holy. You looking something up? So the reality of it is, Leah, let me know when you get that scripture. The reality of it is, is that we would have to score 100 in order to get to heaven. And it's impossible. It's absolutely humanly impossible. 
And so, and, and the reality of it is, and Pastor said it from the pulpit before, is there's more moral people than you and I that are burning in hell today. And it's the reality. It's not by works. You know, it's purely by the blood of the Lamb. It's by faith in Him that, that, we're, that we're born again. And so don't be afraid to ask that question. Have you ever considered just how good a person would have to be? Not by works, so no one can boast. You know, and when you start talking about a holy God, when you and I get a revelation, and that's one of the reasons why I love studying God's nature, studying his characteristics, because the more that you and I know him, you, we start talking about that, we'll get lost in the ocean of love. And that person that we're sharing it with will get lost with us. You begin to see his eminence. You begin to see his beauty and his majesty and just how holy he is. We can't attain. Once someone gets a glimpse of that, we realize how unholy we're, we are and how much we've missed the mark. And so the more that you and I know him, the easier it is. Do you have a scripture? Does anyone have an answer? He that began a good work in you is faithful. Faithful to see it to completion. And so what I would say to you is, you know, I struggled with that for a long time when I was born again. Um, because there was a couple of sins that I couldn't, I wasn't just liberated from immediately. Obviously, I was born again because of the radical change and all these other addictions. But I still had a certain habits and hang-ups. And so I would go to scriptures um, that talked about habitual sin. And, and those would scare me to death because it was habitual. You know, everyone in this room sins today, and every one of us have sinned today, I'm sure. 
in some way, shape, or form. You know, not a horrible, you know, moral sin or anything like that, but we've all done something silly and, and not as pleasing in God's eyes. Right now, not yet. <laughs> He's always got something. So the fact that you're con genuinely concerned about your soul and about your salvation is your spirit bearing witness with his. The thing that happens is when, when you begin to live a life so far from God, so much in the dark, it doesn't, you're not, he, you don't just get born again all of a sudden you're in the light. Paul didn't meet Jesus on Damascus Road and go straight into the ministry. He spent quite a few years tent making, learning, and being discipled. And so what you need to do, when, when we're in the world, when we're surrounded by darkness, we begin to look like it. When we accept the Lord as our Savior, He is the light now brought into our life. And he begins to walk us down sanctification. And in order for that to complete itself, we've got to begin aligning ourselves with his word. So the more that you begin to align yourself with the body, align yourself with the church, align yourself in, in his word, then, uh, then you'll begin to see a lot more freedom. But hiding off to the side because of all the shame and all the destruction, it's allowing the darkness to continue to have a hold on you. And that's how those sins keep coming. Well, we're glad you're here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's so hard to it's hard. We can never understand why anybody does anything, especially a church. So we just bless them. You know, they did the best that they could. Kind of how I said this morning, it's time to forgive our mamas and daddies. They did the best they could. Oftentimes, the church is doing the best that it can. You know, most churches aren't exposed to a lot. And when you're, when, and, and when you're fearful of something that's an unknown thing, you tend to have to just reject it. And so they probably did the best that they knew how to help you. I'm, you know, I would want someone to cover me if it was me. And so we just bless them and pray for them and believe that, 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 that they did right in the sight of the Lord. And, and maybe it was God's game plan to get you in another position. Yeah. Awesome. God will get it. Good. God will get it. I'm not worried about that. That's so little compared to him. It's all good. Well, let's go to the fourth combination. It says, Yep. 
Yep. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Amen. So what if they answered wrong to the first question and correct to the second one? Well, it's probably just a lack of personal assurance. So there are some scriptures that can assure us. Does someone want to look up John 647 for me? John 647, who's there? The Pharisees, wait, John? John 6, 47? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Amen. First John 5, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has given us life, and this life is in his Son. Amen. John 6, 47. Oh, I don't know why I did that. I must have been excited about it. <laughs> That's right, it is. Awesome. So we want to make sure, we just reassure them with scriptures. You know, and, and um, oftentimes in my Bible I'll have um, some salvation scriptures highlighted in certain colors that if I don't remember the one, because if you don't share it for six months, seven months, sometimes you forget where it's at. So I'll have a highlight in certain colors, or in the back of my Bible, I'll usually have some of the Romans Road or some of the different things for salvation. That's just really quick and easy for me to fly back to. Um, but the Holy Spirit also brings to our remembrance. And so if we're in our belly in a moment of time, at the right moment, in the right time, if we've spent time studying, if we've spent time in the Word, the Lord will bring it to our remembrance. And we might not be able to say John 6, 47, but we can give them the Scripture. We can give them the light. Um, now, how we deal with the wrong answer is very important. The schoolroom of the Holy Ghost is very different than college or junior high. And so never say, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That is horrible. That is like shutting someone down. They are not going to listen to a thing you say. So try say something. And I do love this. And I actually, if you haven't noticed, I'm a little blunt. Me and Lester get along great. Um, but I like to just speak the truth. Like, I like, like, just tell me how it is. Let's get going. I don't want to do the nonsense. But not most of the world doesn't like that. It's a little too sharp for a lot of the world. So instead of just saying, hey, you're wrong, I love this. That's very interesting. <laughs> that raises a couple of new questions for me. What do you think about? Because then they're not on the defensive. Very interesting. Hmm. That's a different way of looking at it. So I have a couple of questions for you then. What do you think about? And so now, once again, you're engaging someone in conversation, and, and you're, you're talking back off of what they've given to us already versus continuing to jam something down their throat. And then if someone just gives you the right answer all the way around, and you know that you know that you know, rejoice with them in the gospel. It is so sad when someone comes um, and tries to witness to you, and then they find out you're born again, and they're like, oh, well, I'm doing this for this class. 
You know, or we've done these scripts on the street with Rodney Howard Brown before, and, you know, people have just been like, you know, I'm born again. Okay, well, I'm just doing the script. Let me go find someone else. And I'm like, don't sit. Are you out for the gospel, or are you just doing your religious duty? <laughs> you know, stop. And so think about what we're saying to the person. Rejoice. Hi, it's so awesome to meet another believer. I, we used to go on Saturday mornings after I stopped going to the quarter Saturday nights. I led teams for a couple years to the, this horribly wretched neighborhood in Kenner, and um, the police would even stop us and ask us why we were there, and that was not a safe place. You shouldn't be here, and they would tell us this is prostitutes, this is drug rings, and we would say that's exactly why we're here, and we're not going anywhere, and um, help me, Lord. Oh, and so we would go, and we'd go door to door. We'd knock on all the, all the houses, and some houses they'd chew us out every time. Some houses um, the parents or people, adults would be inside with the door locked, and the kids were outside playing. So we'd just stay in the, in, the, you know, in the yard and play games with the kids and love on them and tell them about Jesus. And sometimes we'd meet a Christian, and we wouldn't just say, okay, off to the next house. We would say how awesome it is to find uh, believers in the neighborhood. We're praying for your neighborhood. What can we pray with you about? And we'd sit there and just talk the gospel for a few minutes. Give them the same time and attention that we would give the lost. And then pray with, what can I pray with you about today? And then oftentimes they'll say, well, what can I pray for you? Well, let them pray for you. If you know that, you know that they're born again too. There's nothing wrong with loving on one another. Um, if you, as you and I water, we'll be watered ourselves. And so we're just out watering, and they're going to want to come water back a lot of times. So, again, there's really not a right or a wrong way to do this. But the book, I really liked the way the book gave different options, different ways of approaching it, different questions to ask. And so I hope that this week we'll all go out and when we're engaging with someone, that we'll use some of the questions that we won't be afraid to ask. You know, the first time we say it, we may feel a little silly. <laughs> but once we start doing it, the Holy Spirit comes and he breathes his life. And, and it, then it becomes like second nature to us. That we ask the questions and we just start the talk. Amen? Awesome. Absolutely. 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 He said being love, being be loving, be kind. Don't be dogmatic about it. It's so important to be loving and kind. What does the Bible say? They'll know us by our love. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.